The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Today's edition of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, is brought to you by the recently updated HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. Just search Hitting the Marks on your favorite podcast listening device. Brought to you by the Hameen Media Group. Two feeds for your listening pleasure, hameen.podbean.com as well as hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. We're also available over at the PW Hustle, pwhustlenetworks.podbean.com and syndicated by our friends over at the Rational Rage Network as well as ndpw.com. You can find Destino wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, be it Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Apple, Google, or iHeartRadio. On today's return episode, I'm joined once again by Mr. John Enright, all the way from the Academy, a Star Trek podcast over at Hameen Media Group to talk about the Castle Attack shows as well as the beginning of the New Japan Cup. We also have a big stardom update in their show at the Budokan, so let's go ahead and jump into it. But first, my friends from Down Under, this is Knife Party. You blocked me on Facebook, and now you're going to die. I've heard that song. I haven't listened to it since probably, I'm guessing, the last episode of Destino. Before we begin here, I guess a couple of apologies I want to extend. Number one, to all of the co-hosts for Destino. Sorry I haven't been in touch. And number two, to all of you listeners, I'm sorry that there hasn't been a new episode. Going back to the last episode at the end of January, I said, uh, kind of just off-cuff BS, you know, hey, I ain't got to do another show for like a month. And now here we are like six weeks later and I'm finally getting around to doing another show. Not all just because of the way the calendar has worked out. Not all because New Japan has been doing so many shows. Not all because, you know, we're currently in the real estate market and looking to change exactly where the locker room and Destino Studios are. It's just been a lot going on, guys. I mean, number one, we had to go through the winter. It was like 70 below zero. Oh, yeah, there's a global pandemic. Oh, yeah, my kids are at home doing virtual learning. So I'm sorry that there hasn't been a new episode. Um, Also dealing with some stuff in my own head, you know. Uh, On on occasion, I am bipolar. And every once in a while, the bipolarness comes out. And you just don't hear from me for like six weeks at a time. And unfortunately, this has been one of those times. But we did have a big stardom show go down over the course of the last few days, as well as a whole bunch of New Japan that I'm going to sit down and talk to Mr. John Enright all about. But we'll go ahead, we'll start things off with Stardom. Their show from the Nippon Budokan finally up on Stardom World. Of course, this was broadcast as a pay-per-view. And then they waited like three, four days before they finally put it up on Stardom World. I understand. But, you know, Stardom, when I, I pay you basically $9 a month for your streaming service, I'm not going to turn around and pay $40 for a pay-per-view. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I mean, who do you think you are? AEW and the exploding ring? Yeah. Clearly, we're recording this on Monday. So we'll go ahead. We'll jump into the all-star Dream Cinderella from the Nippon Budokan, starting off with the pre-show that I didn't know was the pre-show. When I first started watching this, I was like, oh, my God, somebody turn off the house lights. What are you doing? And let alone they had two championship matches on the pre-show. 
Stardom, you are a, a, a funny, funny outfit sometimes. One of the matches I was the most looking forward to on this show actually starts the thing from the Nippon Budokan with the lights on. Natsupoi defeats AZF to capture the high-speed championship, and I, I've been salivating for this feud for months, and I hope this isn't it. Natsupoi and AZM get in there, and it was a sprint. It was like a 15-minute sprint. How much stuff can we get in? How many moves can we do to one another in the span of about 15 minutes? Natsupoi claiming the Stardom High Speed Championship from AZM. Zumi just, she's going to be something. She just keeps moving on up the card and I, I can't wait to see what is next for Zumi. Micah and Haimika sporting silver and gold outfits now to match their goddess championship belts defeat the team of Natsuko Tora as well as Saki Kashima to retain the goddess belts. Good match. I I don't know why it, I like Saki Kashima, but for some reason, whenever she's in a match, I just assume that she's going to get pinned. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened here. Micah and Haimika representing DDM. Of course, now Natsupoi has a title. Micah and Haimika have titles. Shuri's running around with the SWA championship. And, and Julia, she's still the Wonder Champion, at least until we get to the end of this segment. Let's go ahead. We'll jump into the main card. Starting off with the All-Star Rumble. Match goes like 40 minutes. I'm, I'm sorry. I cannot get into Rumbles. I know my tag team partner, RBV, my favorite Huckleberry, he absolutely loves the Battle Royal gimmick. I just can't do it. When, when we're dealing with talent that is so green or from outside companies, just so that we can fill out enough women on the roster, kind of lose interest. So I fast-forwarded to a, there was about five minutes left in the match, and Unagi. Unagi goes out, gets herself a big win. She wins the All-Star Rumble. I don't think there was any stakes on the Rumble, but hey, at least she can say that she won it. Then we jump into a couple of our feature matches on this card. And starting off with Nene Takahashi defeating Momo Watanabe. Now, th this is not a surprise to me at all because, as we all know, Momo sucks. But I really thought Momo was going to win this match. Takahashi, while she is one of the original stardom girls, she left the company back in 2015. You can go and read all about it. I'm not going to get all into the history, but basically, she decided to shoot on somebody. Got her ass fired. Going back to 2015. This is her grand return to stardom, but let's not pretend she doesn't have her fingerprints all over the wonder ring of stardom. She is a two-time goddess stardom champion, once with Miho Wazakawa, as well as Kairi Hojo. She is a world of stardom champion. She won the five-star Grand Prix in 2013. Goddess of Stardom Championship Tournament in 2013. Goddess of Stardom Tag League in 2014. Won another tournament back in 2012. Five-star Grand Prix Award three different times. Best Bout Award in 2011, 2012, 2014. Best Tag Team Award in 2013, as well as Best Tag Team Award in 2014. And she was the MVP of the company back in 2012. So, Nene, she's good. We all know that she's good. Momo is supposed to be one of the best of a current generation, and Momo sucks. Um, at the end of this match, though, there was some, some interesting developments as Takahashi extends her hand to Momo, and Momo kicks it away and proceeds to throw an absolute fit. I think Momo knows she sucks. I think it's time for a, a bit of an attitude change, not only for Momo, but for all of Queen's Quest. 
Hopefully, we actually see them kind of take up the mantle that DDM has been holding for a while. We'll, we'll talk about them here in just a little bit. Sticking with the DDM and Oedo Tai theme, SWA Championship on the line. Sherry defeats Konami to retain via tap out to the Steam Bluffler. And as much disrespect as there was in the last post-match, there was that much embracing going on after this match. Siri and Konami, of course, very, very well familiar with each other coming through their training. And this match was fantastic. We're going to talk about Tim and Julia, but I think this might have been my favorite match on this show. Just very, very ground-based, very, very technical. It was absolutely wonderful. Shout out to my friend Eric Lake. He would absolutely love this match as he just wants to see... Two men, two women go in there and, and throw it down when it comes to professional wrestling. He doesn't need exploding rings. Siri defending the SWA championship. This certainly felt like her biggest title defense as of yet. And I'm very interested to see where she goes forward. It would be nice, though, to see somebody actually challenge her for that title as opposed to her just saying, hey, I want to defend this title against fill in the blank. Mayu Iwatani defeats Yoshiko, which... This match was good. This was very much kind of a spinoff of the entire Momo and Takahashi match. A lot of the same history. Yoshiko left at the same time as Nene Takahashi. Um, this match was kind of rough. And I don't know what it is. Mayu just does not seem quite as engaged as she typically is. And I know I've made this comment to my good friend Denny Federer a couple of times. Mayu really needs something that she can sink her teeth into. Mayu's kind of been floating around aimlessly for the last year to 18 months, really going all the way back to when she won the red belt and just not a whole lot going on since then. In fact, I think she might've had more matches outside of stardom than she has actually had programs inside of stardom. Yoshiko, once again, going back to the very, very beginning of stardom, Momo and Yoshiko, they were side by side when stardom was started back in 2011. And for the 10th anniversary, it makes sense to bring them back here, especially inside of the Budokan. Let's talk about 10th anniversary for a second. I understand it is Stardom's 10th anniversary. I understand that they're getting ready to go into you know, their next decade as a company. Do we really need to celebrate the 10th anniversary every show? I mean, we've been doing 10th anniversary shows since January at this point. It seems a little off-putting to me. Utami takes on Sayakamatani because, of course, as we all know, she only defends the title against people from Queen's Quest. The match is fine. Uh, Sayakamatani, she is just not set up to be in this position as of yet. And unfortunately, while the white belt has been elevated so much over the course of the last couple of years, the red belt has really kind of taken a step back the last couple of years. I kind of wonder if that's not maybe related a little bit to the DDM push and the fact that Julia has held the Wonder title for the better part of a year. Kamatani, she's going to be good. We all know that. Unfortunately, she is just not there yet. Utami Hayashida, the, the, the World of Stardom Championship, she's really good. She is really, really good. But much like Mayu, it is time for Utami to have something that she can actually sink her teeth into announcing that the next time she will defend the championship will be at the Yokohama Budokan on April 4th, and we didn't have to wait very long for who was going to be her opposition. Not somebody from Queen's Quest this time. 
somebody formerly from Queen's Quest is Bea Priestley, of course, the former holder of the red belt, has made it well known that she is going to be the next person to challenge Utami for the red belt championship inside of the Budokan in Yokohama. The match should be really, really good. I'm looking forward to to be getting into a main event once again. But of course, Utami's going to retain. I B was trying to build some heat here in this match, and it just eh, kind of felt short to me. Felt a little short. Let's talk about Tam and Julia. Um, of course, the cover art this week features a, a now bald Julia. So I think you all know how this match went. Tam Nakano defeating Julia finally to get the white belt to avenge Arisa Hoshiki. And it just felt flat. I, I, I know. The match was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. This match is the match that they needed to have six months ago. This is the match that they needed to have at the end of the TM and Julia program. Unfortunately, it was just... They kind of forgot about the TM and Julia program. They, they forgot that TM was trying to take everything away from Julia. People had forgotten about Arisa. People had forgotten about the Hina Kimura and Julia rivalry. People had forgotten that with Arisa and Hina going out, they just kind of put TM and Julia against each other. But finally, TM Nakano gets the big win over Julia, captures the white belt. Cosmic Angels are delicious. As for those of you who love, love, love Julia... The post-match, I am so incredibly confused by Tam Nakano even tells Julia, hey, I already took the white belt. I've taken everything that meant anything to you. You don't have to cut your hair. Like, I beat you. That was enough. You don't have to cut your hair. And Julia's like, bullshit! I need to cut this hair. It's all about honor. It's all about respect. Those were the stakes. That's what I'm going to do. And you're going to cut it. And Tam's like, no, I'm not. Nope. Not going to do it. I'm going to stand here and cry about it. So for some reason, all the sympathy is on the person who won the championship. It was weird. It was super weird. Julia acting super babyface after being a complete bitch for the last like two to three months. I mean, are we just not going to talk about what she did to Starlight Kid? I mean, she, she tried to tear off Starlight Kid's mask. She like literally tried to cut it off of her face. And now, all of a sudden, Julia's a baby face and she's all about honor and respect? Came completely out of nowhere. It was also very odd. The Tam just kind of stood there and watched, crying. Like, dude, she's just getting her hair cut. It's fine. Oh, yeah, and Julia looks great with a bald head. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, some, I don't typically come on and talk about the, the attractiveness of the girls, but somehow Julia got hotter by getting her head shaved. It's not even fair. It's, it's really not. So Julia now back. She's decided that she wants to work from the bottom. We've gotten to see her first match back since she has had the, the shaved head. Up against Goiken Death at Corican Hall. And it's totally babyface Julia. Even after the match, she gets on the mic and she's like, hey, Rossi wants me to say a couple of things. So, you know, here I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start at the bottom and I'm going to work my way through the entire stardom roster until I get back to the top and probably take the red belt from Utami. That's probably however long it takes Julia to climb back up the rankings. That's kind of what I see as being the end game here. But it's very, very odd because DDM has always kind of been that tweener, but definitely leaning heel faction. Now we've got DDM with all the belts, except for the Wonder Championship, of course. And Julia is the only one without a belt. And now Julia is like super babyface. Does this mean I can share Micah finally? Because I, I really want to share Micah. 
really want to cheer Micah. All in all, great show for stardom. It was super cool seeing them in the Budokan. I can't believe they outdrew New Japan Pro Wrestling inside of the Nippon Budokan. That is absolutely something to hang your hat on. Just great stuff from World Wondering Stardom over the course of the last couple of months. I just, I want some more actual creative programs instead of just good matches. So we'll go ahead, we'll throw it over to the break, and then I'm going to come back on the other side with Mr. John Enright to discuss Castle Attack Nights 1 and 2 and probably talk a little bit of New Japan Cup. Stick around. We'll be right back. The following announcements have been paid for by the sponsors of the Hameen Media Group. Hameen Media Group brand management is taking over. Social media, video, audio, design, marketing, and more. HMG Brand Management is proud to be partnered with Vince Russo's The Brand, Stevie Ray TV, Rip Rogers FR Podcast, Goldilocks, Big Vito Brand, The A Show starring Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, and now Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, The Beautiful People. Search for all of our HMG Brand Management partners on your favorite podcatchers, YouTube, and of course, Patreon. Support your favorite HMG ring veterans by visiting ProWrestlingTees.com, Dr. Man Beast Ted McNailer, Recot Papadon, SCG Search from Big Sal, Chris Silvio, Stevie Richards, and of course the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Hey bro, wake up with the official Vince Russo coffee from Broaster's Coffee. Medium roasted, Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that'll have you ready to go bro. Available only at thebroasters.com. For a flavorful hashtag RBV fitness foodie experience, visit zorosoliveoil.com. Zordos Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil is exclusively sourced from the Zordos family private 100-year-old olive groves in Greece. Taste the difference and visit zordosoliveoil.com today. StevieRichardsFitness.com For the most affordable and effective home workout program that'll give you results, real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichardsFitness.com Russo'sBrand.com, where the pros are pros, bro. Get the most valid takes in wrestling from the pros who live it. Visit Russo'sBrand.com. Subscribe to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on Podbeam.com and visit Patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group. We now take you to your featured HMG presentation. All right, so we're back for segment two with the dad bad god himself straight out of the gym, Mr. John Enright, coming to us from the Academy, a Star Trek podcast over at Hami Media Group. But more importantly, John, you're coming to us from down in Texas. How are you all holding up down there? Oh, Texas is great. You know, uh, starting March 10th, uh, the mask mandate is gone, which um, for people who want to complain about it, it just means you have your personal choice of if you want to wear it or not. Me personally, I'll wear it into certain places that I feel comfortable wearing it. Other places, if I don't feel like I need to wear it, I'm not going to wear it, you know, um, because, you know, it's about choice and about being free to make your own choice and having that personal responsibility, which is what I've said from the beginning of this whole thing, you know, be responsible for yourself. Don't worry about what other people say or do. So, you know, I'm okay with it. Uh, the fact that the governor said businesses are going to be 100% open. 
um, because we're tired of seeing businesses close. You know, I mean, it, it's nobody else has done anything to make an improvement. We can't count on our federal government. That's been shown over and over again. Um, the fact that the Republicans had to just sit there and read the 682 COVID bill. Uh, page COVID bill, and they're going, um, wait, how much of this money is actually for COVID? Oh, wow, look, you know, once again, our own politicians are proving that they are complete and utterly incompetent. You know, the more and more uh, every day I go and I listen and I hear about politics, the more I, I'm in the Ben Hameen group of get the gallows. You know, I mean, I'm just kind of at that point, uh, really, it's just ridiculous. So, but you know things have been good. We, I, I actually did not have any issues whatsoever. I live down the street from a nursing home, so I never really lost a lot of power or water or anything along those lines. Our city actually did a really good job of maintaining their water supply, uh, keeping the electricity going pretty good because our city is more of a co-op. So when you come into the city limits, you pay for electricity, water, uh, garbage, all in one bill through the city. And so okay, you know you don't get to really shop your rate, but at the same time. It's not a terrible rate. It's not egregious or you know super crazy. So, and then they have their own on-call linemen and stuff like that. So everything kind of kept running pretty good for the most part in our city. So, man, um, you know now it's just we're we're thought out now and we're just kind of getting back to life as it is. So, see, you um, bring up you bring up all these issues and all these things going on in Texas. I was talking about you having to watch SmackDown every Friday night to cover it for a Hami <laughs> Media Group, man. I mean, like. I feel for you. Like yeah. I, you really have my sympathy when it comes to that. Like I don't want to hear none of the about, about this freezing yeah. bullshit or you know <laughs> n- none of the mask mandate crap. Yeah. You gotta watch SmackDown, bro. I do, I do. You know, and it, it just it made it made me appreciate how much I really enjoy New Japan, even <laughs> in the worst of its moments. It made me realize how much I enjoyed it. So yeah, you get to hear me rant and rave about that on Fridays. I, I kind of turn heel a little bit at some points in the in the in the podcast. Poor James, he has to. Uh, he has to be the good guy in that. So, well, uh, I I have a feeling I, I I might feel a heel turn coming. Uh, be, because I, we're here, of course, we're going to talk about New Japan today. It's been a while since I've done a show, but you know, part of the reason that it's been so damn long is because it's like, well, I have to wait until next week because they're doing this show. And then it's, right. I have to wait until, you know, three days from now because they're doing this show and I have to talk about, and, and then I got to wait another like day and a half so I can talk about this show over the course of the last two months between February and what we have in March thus far and coming up for the rest of March. They ran 20 shows in February. They're running 18 shows in March. That's 38 shows over the course of two months. Now we have Hiromu Takahashi is out with a torn pectoral muscle. Tetsuya Naito we'll talk about a little bit later, taken out in the first round of the New Japan Cup because we know that he's suffering from another knee injury. And we have Kazuchika Okada now out of the New Japan Cup, who is suffering evidently from a couple of slipped discs in his back. We can't keep running these guys like this. I mean, this is going to be a real problem going forward, let alone the fan interest. My God, stardom outdrew New Japan Pro Wrestling in the Budokan over the course of the last week. That seems insane to say. Like, number one, great for stardom. Number two, New Japan, get your shit together. Like, all of a sudden, it feels like the wheels are coming off. Yeah, and you know, and I think the problem is they're trying to play catch up from last year, and they want to get all these shows in. They are at half capacity or whatever the, the the thing is right now, and so 
We well, hey, we couldn't do Fantastica Mania, which is usually some time off for a lot of these guys, except for the few who you know want to participate with the luchadors, um, or maybe have uh, ties to Mexico. And so now they're just like, okay, we're gonna do all these things, and it sounds great. But like, we had the road to Castle Attack, Castle Attack, road to you know to the anniversary show, anniversary show. Now we've got the New Japan Cup right after that. I mean, there's been no chance to breathe. I get it. They're a business. They're a company. They need to make money. But at the same time, too, your welfare for your wrestlers has to be a factor in there. Man, there you could have taken a couple of these nights off. You could have not had a road to to the New Japan Cup or a road to to the anniversary show. You 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 didn't even need a road to to Castle Attack. Just do everything you do and have one night of Castle Attack because. You know, spoiler to me, it was a bipolar show. First night was awful. There was no stakes. Second night, really great show. And so why? Why do we do that? The purpose is they're they're looking for money at the end of the day. And I think that's that's really hurting the creative. It's hurting the wrestlers. It's hurting just all of it in general to where people are like, okay, well, you know, I, I, well, I can go to this show or I can go to this show. I can go to this show or I can go to this show. You know what I mean? You know, if that were me, I'd be like, okay, I can pick one out of these like 18 shows. What am I going to do? Where am I going to spend my money? How do I pick? You know? And so I, I understand in the sense of business, but man, you've got to start looking at your, your talent and your people and going, okay, where can we cut a little bit here? We're hurting them too much physically and, and creatively. Even the fans, because I know I have felt it. I mean, when you're running like four shows a week, and you're trying to keep up with all this. But, you know, I can only watch, like, so many different versions of the Empire wrestle against Ten Cozy for the right. course of, like, over the course of a month and a half. And I've seen the match 30 times. And it's right. just like, I, I, I'm i checked out. The other night, they did Tai Chi versus Hiroki Goto as a main event. And it's like, I'm sorry, that's not a main event match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no disrespect and, to the talent, but no, no. I mean, Tai Chi has proven he's he's elevated himself, and Goto is Goto. But you know that is not a main event. That is maybe a mid card, you know, at best. And the fact that you're having to make that a main event that says a lot about what you're doing, you know, honestly. And, and so that should have been a wake up call to step back and go, um, all right, what are we really doing here? You know, honestly. Right. And then we get the announcement the other day of two more huge shows being added to the calendar, the Grand Slam. The number one, the Yokohama event, uh, mm -hmm. when I saw that announcement, I was like, oh, cool. All right, we're going to run a baseball stadium again. Yeah. That's cool. And then they came back with Tokyo Dome on May 29th that they're going to run the Tokyo Dome again. And immediately, I was just like, I don't like this. It, it feels like it immediately takes away from the mystique of Wrestle Kingdom. Mm -hmm. Like, that is holy ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is, you know, because when you hear Tokyo Dome, you're thinking, okay, January 4th. They're setting the dates or whatever. And I'm like, wow, that seems really early. And they said, you know, May whatever. And I'm just going... Oh no, this is not good. This is not good at all because that's the whole point of the Tokyo Dome. You are building up to this massive show and it's been the the pinnacle of your year um, where you've gotten to that point and now it takes a little bit away. I don't mind that they were in Yokohama at that giant stadium there. That's cool. It's not the Tokyo Dome. But you're at the Tokyo Dome now and you're you're adding another date to it. Once again, I you're a business, so you're trying to get as many people as possible so you can have capacity that and get a big gate from there. But at what cost? You're losing the value of the dome. 
You know, really to say I wrestled in the Tokyo Dome. Well, did you wrestle at? Oh, did you, oh, so you you were there in January for Wrestle Kingdom? No, no, it was in the summer. It was in May, you know. But you know, I wrestled in the Tokyo Dome. So it, it lacks the 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 star power and luster that is required, I think, for New Japan. You know, that's the whole point. New Japan is mystical in that sense. They they run Cork and they run all these other places, but Tokyo Dome is hallowed ground. You don't get there until it's time for January fourth. And I just, man, I, I really feel like they missed the mark on this one. I would, it would have been cool if they'd done another stadium somewhere else, but not the Tokyo Dome. And I, I feel like the biggest alarm about the Tokyo Dome is we're seeing all these other issues. Like we'll, we'll talk about the title unification a little bit later, which is kind of went over like a fart in church. People are mm-hmm. not very happy about this, including some of the talents that I've, I've <laughs> seen, um, you know, and, so there's that issue going on. We have the this oversaturation of events. We're, we're how many goddamn ten and eight man tags do I really need to watch? It, it just seems like there's a lot of little compounding stuff that's starting to add up on the New Japan plate, and it's not good. None of it no. is good. Mm-mm. A little no. alarming. Let's yeah. uh, let, let's get into Castle Attack coming to us from Osaka. Which is kind of the positive of this show because mm-hmm. I, I love watching anything in Osaka. And yeah. like you said, there was just there's no stakes on this show. I, two of your feature matches on this show were a preview for night two, as we talk about Tangaloa taking on Yoshi Bon Jovi and Tama Tonga <laughs> taking on Hiroki Goto, which is basically just a tease for the next night. You have the mm-hmm. KOPW Provisional Championship, which we all assumed was going to be a joke that actually turned into a pretty good match. Yeah, you have Jay White versus Ishi. Cool, but there's no stakes to it. And right. the same thing with Okana versus Evil. There's there's no stakes to it. So why do I really care? And then at the mm-hmm. beginning of the show, you're left with Jeff Cobb, the great Okan, and Will Ospreay taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tenkozy. Like we are mm-hmm. still doing this Empire versus Tenkozy feud, and it's fine. It was fine six weeks ago. Like I'm just right. I'm done with it. Yeah, yeah. If it, honestly, and this is the, this is where I hate. I I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is. It feels like WWE in a sense of, I've seen this before. I'm seeing it again. You know, watching having watched SmackDown for the last couple of weeks. You know, I'm seeing the same things over and over again. It drives me up the wall. And then now seeing it with New Japan. Um, it, the the only thing I could say though is I'm surprised with. Great Okan, that really Okan and Cobb are the ones who are becoming more of the standouts than Osprey. I've really, it seems like he's almost taken a back seat. I know he won with the Oz Cutter on this one, but honestly, those two have really seemed to take the forefront and be more of the focus than Osprey has been, I, which I found very surprising, but I'm not mad at it. Both are proven to be really good dudes. And I mean, <laughs> I, there's a, I sent a gif out of when Cobb was working with Wado at the New Japan Cup. And <laughs> Good God, that tour of the islands he gave him when he tried to hurricane run him and and just from a powerbomb threw him up, caught him in tour of the islands. I was like, Jesus Christ, yes, Jeff Cobb, do more of that. You were just a man and a half. And so, you know, I I just find that very interesting because this was a, you know, a faction that Will Ospreay started. Everything kind of was with him, but he's almost taken that back seat. And um, I, I'm interested to see in a way where that creative is going. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm ready for them to move forward. I'm ready for them to kind of, 
all right, you've done the dad thing. Let's let's move on from the dads. Let's let's go find something else to do rather than this. You know, I don't know what it is, but let's do something different. Jeff Cobb in particular has just been an absolute monster for the last six to eight weeks. Just yeah. absolutely out there killing it. Uh, the great Okan, of course, now kind of in a feud with Hiroshi Tanahashi over the Never Championship. We will talk about that a little bit later on as well. Um, I'm with you on Osprey, but I, I feel like the problem with Osprey right now is there's no Intercontinental title. Like, he, yeah. he, it feels like the Never title would kind of be below Osprey at this point, mm-hmm. even though Tanahashi is now running around with it. Like, we have to elevate that never title before Osprey can even go after it. Cause he's not ready to go after the, the heavyweight belt yet. Right. But there's no goal for Osprey. So he's just kind of floating in limbo. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I mean, yeah. And that's the, that's the sad part is, you know, now I understand now why they put Tanahashi with the never one. It's an interesting, you know, combination of those two but and the match elevate that have. belt. Yeah. And, but you know, the, but, and then that's the next part is let's elevate it. You can have some great matches with different uh, people that you're like, oh, I, do. I would never think that would happen, that Tanahashi would wrestle that person. Um, but, you know, it, that essentially becomes your new default Intercontinental. And when it's been crapped on for so long, you know, and, and I guess the question becomes, I'm, I'm interested, how are they going to elevate it? What's going to be that thing that really makes it? And is it going to be Tanahashi facing all comers, you know, juniors and heavyweights and just – holding on to it for so long until finally there's someone worthy to take it off of him. You know, I, I, is that the creative they're going with? Cool. I mean, who better than Hiroshi Tanahashi to do that? But, um, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm scared at the same time too, because now with this belt unification thing, you really, you really have cut out the legs from your mid card, you know, um, because, I kind of liked you had the Intercontinental and the Never because the Never allowed you to do a lot of different things. You know, your Intercontinental allowed your mid card to really flourish, and your Never just gave you a bunch of fun stuff that you could do. And cutting that out now, man, it really, oh man, it's going to be a lot harder to to get people plugged in. So, and it's those guys that are not quite main event level, but they're above the mid card. They're the ones right. that are really going to suffer in this whole thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about the the heavyweight tag team championship programs. Tangaloa defeats Yoshi Bon Jovi in 13 minutes as the the reemergence of Yoshihashi continues. But of course, he's running around with those never six man belts. And it's just a matter of time until the United Empire takes them from chaos. I mean, they're they're still undefeated as a trio. It seems like that's clearly going to be the first direction where where all those guys are going to get their first taste of gold. And then this one kind of bleeds into the next match as well. As Tama Tonga comes out at the end of this matchup and then Goto comes out. And so it just bleeds right into the next match with Tangaloa getting the win over Yoshihashi. Goto then gets the win over Tama Tonga. And you basically have a 20 minute preview for the tag team championship match tomorrow night. Yeah. And that's all that's, that's all that needs to be said. It's, it's all it is. Um, but it goes know, 20 minutes. That's 20 minutes. 20, I didn't yeah, need to watch. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, it, that's the thing is. I do have to say this. I wasn't because I was interested in the sense of you don't see Tongaloa. I think the last time he wrestled as a singles was like 2017. This was um, his first win as a single in New Japan yeah. Pro Wrestling. 
First win when the last time he wrestled was 2017 in the New Japan Cup. I remember if I remember correctly. Well, and so last I, year, last year he oh, did New Japan Cup USA and lost in the okay. first round. Okay, all right, I didn't remember that. So, um, so I was interested to kind of see him work solo and see how that worked. And you know, I, I felt like he worked like a good big guy should. You know, I really enjoyed it in the sense of man, you know, he did what he needed to as a big guy to to do the things that he needed to was it outstanding no I, it wasn't outstanding but I, I felt it was good it made it enjoyable i feel like once again yoshihashi is showing his level as a worker too you know it takes two to tango and they both did a really good job with that i just man i hate all the interference crap and all that bullshit you know it, i really would have liked it just to go on you know and i found it interesting that that Yoshihashi and Tangaloa went 12 minutes and Goto and Tamatanga only went six. You yeah. know, it makes me kind of wonder if you know, there's going to be more of a push for Tangaloa from this point forward. You know, I think, um, I think they were just trying to do like one 20 minute segment. I think that was think? really the purpose, like mm. 20 minutes for the two matches. The first match goes 13. So, you know, the second match goes yeah. six. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. But, you know, uh, once again, the why, though, really, what, what was the purpose other than the preview? And why did it need to be 20 minutes? You know, right. really, um, you know, that's that I agree with you on that. I uh, or unless nobody else really wanted to deal with it. <laughs> nobody else wanted to wrestle that night. And they were like, uh, all right, guys, go out there and do it. Well, and, yeah. and that's the thing is and I feel like part of the reason that this feels like so WWE is because in a way it is. Right. Like, like I feel like the feud timelines are still the same. Like, you know, a three month program is still a three month program. But over the course of those three months, you're seeing them square off so many more times that they're writing the the, the week to week kind of angles or in New Japan's case at this point, day to day kind of angles. And then by the time you get to the big payoff match, you just don't care because you've seen them wrestle 15 times. Right, you know, in six mans or eight mans or tens or yep. solos or or whatever, you know, and it just it's watered you know, down. That, it's watered down, you know. Really, like, hey, you make especially when you have bigger ones like you know these 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 implications that they have with titles or anything, man. You know, make it special, especially when you know you're doing these back to back to back to back. We don't need to see them all the time. You know, maybe it's just somebody that one's wrestling one night and the other wrestling another one the other night as far as they're not even wrestling each other, but one comes out to watch while they're wrestling. You know, I think that would be really, really entertaining where, you know, um, where Tamatanga and Tangaloa are watching Goto and uh, Yoshihashi wrestling somebody one night. Maybe they're wrestling Finjuice or whoever, and they just come and stand out and they kind of watch them and then do their thing. And then so then in turn, the other one does it the other night, you know, yep. and they're not necessarily touching. They're just going, okay, I see you. I see what you're doing. I'm kind of keeping an eye on you. And, you know, so I can kind of see what you're doing and what we got for you. All right, we got something for that kind of thing. To me, that's more compelling. It saves your they're, – they're still wrestling. You're still seeing them, but they're not touching, and you're making what's going to happen that much more special. Yep, absolutely. The surprise of the weekend, KOPW Provisional Championship on the line. Texas heavyweight champion representing for the Enrights out there. 
Chase Owens going out there, taking some shots at, uh, at the good brother Carl Anderson. If you caught that, that now yeah. that now Chase gets the, the gunshots and is open. I think that's fantastic. Goes yeah. out and has a strap match here with Toru Yano. But uh, unfortunately, Chase Owens did not get the message. Uh, this was MVP Toru Yano. This was like most violent player Toru Yano. This was going back into the bag of tricks a ways. This match was actually really, really freaking good. I did yeah. not expect it at all. Yeah, I didn't either. Honestly, when it's Yano and Owens in a Texas strap match. And so Chase has moved to Texas. He's living down in San Antonio. Uh, for anybody who didn't know that, that's why he's been wearing the Texas headband. And that's why he proposed a Texas strap match. Um, he's living here in Texas now. Um, so shout out to Chase for making a smart choice and becoming a Texan. Um, you know, so, uh, but, you know, at the same time, too, I was really impressed with both of these guys. You know, I, I you know, because I'm going to be honest, I saw this and was like, throw away. I'm really not really interested in it. And boy, they put on a, a violent, really well done match. You know, I wasn't sure how the whole taking the, the, the corner thing, you know, the corner pads off were going to work. Um, yeah, the, for for anybody who didn't see it, rather than a traditional strap match where you have to right. hit all four corners, this was a, a YTR strap match, which meant that you had to actually remove the four corner pads in order to win the match. Right. Yeah. And so I, I just found that very interesting. And I wasn't sure because it seemed so silly and gimmicky, but they pulled it off really, really well. It was very impressive. And so um, I just I really enjoyed it because it was something different and unique. And that's where sometimes, you know, I struggle with this uh, KOPW matches because you're thinking, OK, it's going to be garbage. But then something like this happens and you're going. Okay, that was actually really, really good. Let me see more of that. Let me see some creativity. And it came from two wrestlers that I did not expect it to happen. You know, I really did not expect Chase and Yano to do something. Fucking Yano, you know. But um, they did something really, really good and impressive. And so, you know, I, if if the if the KOPW matches are like this, then I'm good with it. I'm good with it. But. You know, sometimes I think I feel like we're going to get some stinkers from them, too. And so I think that's what's going to make this interesting is if it's a KOPW match. All right. All right. Do, do I really want to see it? Because if I don't see it, what am I going to miss out on? But if I do right. watch it and it sucks, how am I going to feel? You know, and I like that in a way. It's it's kind of like you never know what you're going to get. So, you know, it made it definitely for an interesting night and a match that I honestly I thought was the best match of the night. Personally, you know. For me, but that was just me. Um, not not because the Texas was Texas strap match was a part of it, but because it was just a really good match, and I thought it was the best one of the night. I would go with the next match, um, which was my favorite match between the two shows. Uh, special singles match between Switchblade Jay White and Tomohiro Ishii. Tomohiro Ishii, kind of the kryptonite to to Switchblade Superman. Mm -hmm. Switchblade Jay White, he has a plan for everybody. He's beaten everybody. He's even called his shot numerous times, but he cannot figure out the puzzle that is the bowling ball, that is the stone pit bull, Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii just owns his ass. It's always been that way. Like He's that one guy that Switchblade can't figure out. He just, he he can't figure it out. And then he goes out and he fucking beats him. 
in yeah. 25 minutes and 42 seconds and now the story is over and now I don't care anymore. Like right. I liked there being that one guy that all the tricks and all the cunning and all the strategy, it just didn't work because he was a stone pit bull who just kept mm-hmm. coming. And now Jay has figured him out. I, it pissed me off. I was so mad. Yeah, I would have rather this had been that he beat him, but he beat him in a way where it was almost like happenstance or luck, where it wasn't that he figured him out. Like he beat Ibushi, feet on the ropes and shit. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, and that's where I guess I, I, I have to say the other match was my preferable one. One, there was no stakes on this one. It was just a match. Like you said, it's a special match. So it's not like they're... For number one contendership, it wasn't for a suitcase, it wasn't for a title, you know. So it's just you know Jay White's never really beaten Ishii, so let's put them together and let's let them wrestle. We know it's going to be good. I'm not saying it wasn't a good match, but for me, having that extra stake of the king of uh, king of pro wrestling title on the line, the holder of it, that just made it that a little bit more for me. But it was a good match. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. But like you said, and now where do we go from here? And so this is now burned, you know, uh, in a sense, you know, um, unless he comes back and he starts beating him again and again, where Ishii comes back. He's like, all right, you beat me that one time, but here, I'm going to do this now. And Jay White goes, whoa, crap, that didn't work last. Uh, you know, what worked last time didn't work again. What am I going to do? And you, you could restart it. But at this point, once again, why, if we're going to be doing all these different matches and different things, you know, I, I just hope they don't lean back on this one and go, all right, let's put them back together. Let's put them in six mans and do this kind of thing, and we'll do it again. No, no, no. Let's 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 let them breathe. Let's let them. We've got the New Japan Cup. We've got all these other things where we got some unique matchups where we can just really enjoy those things and let it breathe for a little bit. Let some everybody go to their corners, chill, and then we come back maybe later down the road with it again. So, you know, you know, Switchblade Jay White is always in danger of becoming my favorite professional wrestler. (laughs) And then he does something that I'm just like, oh, you are just so fucking smarmy. I hope somebody kicks your ass. Like, he is so good that even, like, the smartest of the smart fans are just like, God, I hope somebody kicks that guy's ass. And you know what it is now? The new J-Pan Cup. It's yeah. the J Pan Cup. Like just like it was the J one, you know? And it's just like, God, you're such a swarmy dick. Yeah, yeah. You just and that boy, that if nothing else, the dude knows how to get heat and makes you want to just slap him in the face. I mean He's wanna, the best heel in the world. I, I hear he Roman is. Reigns all the time, and it's like, you know what? But there's nothing authentic about Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. I, I still feel like he's playing a character. I'm not yeah. actually irritated with him. Whereas Jay White, I sincerely want to see somebody punch him in the face. Like the only reason why I'm irritated with Roman Reigns, one, because I have to watch SmackDown uh every Friday <laughs> night. But two, like you have no fans. It is just the stupid TV screens, and yet, like this past Friday. He, he Daniel Bryant does his things for 10 minutes, throws to his own video package, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's such a uh, baby face Mike, thing to do. Yeah, you know. which which with Michael Cole in the ring. And then they're getting ready to go to commercial break, and Roman Reigns comes out. And then after commercial break, he's still at the top of the ramp, and he's just taking his time. And he's you can tell it's scripted almost because he's waiting for the booze to die down. And I'm like, there are no booze to begin with. Just talk and you know make them pot the, the volume down. Because there's nobody there to boosh. You know, stop being, you know, trying to be this intentional thing. I understand what they're trying to do, but it, it seems so almost stupid that he's doing it that way because, 
you know, there, there's no crowd. I mean, at least there's a crowd with these people with New Japan, and so it makes sense. But there's no crowd with WWE, so it seems just so stupid and annoying in that sense of like, okay, you're not really getting heat because you're only getting heat with me because you're taking too damn long. Right. You know, there's no reason for you to take too long. Just get out there, get your shit done, and move on. So, you know, but yeah, no, I, that's why I love Jay White. Jay White is so good. He finds, I mean, it's the little things too sometimes, you know, the way he'll do something to someone in the crowd or, you know, he'll say something or do something in the match. And it's those things, the little things that he does so well that really you just, you want to just smack the smarmy smile off of his face, you know, and him him mock clapping the crowd is the best thing in wrestling in 2021. It's great. Yes. Easily, easily one of the best. And it, it only works for him. Like other people yeah. try to do it. Like Kenta does it all the time and it just doesn't work. But for Jay, yeah. it's just something about that guy. Yep. Yep. I agree. Speaking of something about that guy, let's talk about Kazuchika Okada. Uh, Kazuchika Okada used to be that guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had that rock thing where when he would enter a room, like it would just change. And I can say that because I was in the same room as Kazuchika Okada once. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like it's just slipping away. And we come to find out that he actually has a couple of slipped discs in his back, um, mm-hmm. which could help explain a little bit of what the hell is going on with Okada. But it also doesn't help that they're asking him to go out there and have a 28 minute match with evil. Um, evil since losing the double championship has went right back to where he was. Mm -hmm. They have put him in big match after big match after big match. And he is just not delivered. And I feel like he is destined to be, you know, evil was once the IWGV world heavyweight champion guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's the problem from the beginning. I've always said evil doesn't do anything for me. You know, even with going to Bullet Club, there really is better in Bullet Club, but it still sucks. Yeah. It's yeah. There isn't that much of a difference. I mean, you got Dick to go, you know, ready to go with you right there. Uh, But like even still, like it makes it's just kind of even when he was I was like, why are they making him the double champ right now? There are other people who could be the double champ. And to me, even when he was double champ, I was going, meh, you know, he's, but I mean, I've always been that way about evil. I've always been that way. You know, I heard somebody say really evil is the great O'Connor is what evil could have been, you know, if in all actuality is the great O'Connor is what evil could have been. I was like, okay, that, that makes sense because I see that, but evil man, I, I don't know. And they should have changed his name when he left LIJ. They should have just went back to Watanabe and and just let him be himself instead of this cartoon evil thing. Everything is evil and darkness and whatever. You know, and I mean, let him be that. And I mean, once again, you know, that's where, now that you know that uh, Okada's got two slip discs in his back, you know, it makes more sense of, how some of these matches have been going because they haven't been Okada matches. You know, when he gets in there with anybody, he makes them look really good and they've just been average, you know? And I mean, but here's, here's, here's my thing. This is how really goddamn good Okada is with two slip disc in his back. He makes evil and everything a, a pretty decent match. Even for that, it was not an Okada match, but it's still pretty decent with two slip disc in your back. That's pretty damn good. 
I'm going to be honest with you. And and one of the rips that I hear on Kenny Omega all the time is, you know, what happened to Kenny? He He's not going out there and having that Okada match anymore. Well, mm-hmm. can, can we be fair? Okada's not having Kenny matches anymore either. I mean, right. like, when you're going out and you're putting on that level of a performance for as long as those guys did, you feel the effects of it. And we're mm-hmm. seeing it with both of those guys. Right. And Okada's, what, 32, 33, something like that? Yeah. And to have two slip discs in your back at 32, 33, you know, that's something like someone my age at 42 has, you know, not someone at 32. And you just know that he's been bumping and going and blowing for so long. It was something was bound to catch up with him at some point. And, and those knees and yet, are starting to get as much tape on him as Naito's got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you never want to hear anything with back issues and slip discs for someone who's a wrestler, especially at 32. Yeah. Boy, because that can be a. That could be a career ender if it's not t- carefully taken care of. So, you know, that's my only concern right now is have we seen the best of Okada from this point forward? Because let's be honest, slip disc they don't heal easily. They take nope. time. And he's going to need to be out for a while because even then, you have the healing part, but then you have to reacclimate your body to the bumps. And as your your back can just... Once you've done something like that, let's be honest, it's it's a lot easier to slip a disc again. You bet. Especially with the bump that he takes. Oh, man, I'm just – I'm concerned that this is – we've seen Pico Kata from this point forward, and it's, it's going to go downhill from here. The bump that bugs me every time I see him take it now is self-inflicted. It's when he does the drop kick because he always comes down on his hip. He doesn't oh. come down flat on his back. He comes down on his hip. And if you've got a couple of slip discs in your back, that's a real good way to aggravate that injury. That kind oh, of yeah. trauma just directly onto your hip all on one side. It's nasty stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, I really I really hope he takes the time to heal and really think about how he's going to go forward where he can still have great matches but protect himself in the long run, you know? Because, hey, I know 32 – to me, 32 is still young. That's 10 years younger than me, but you got two slip discs here. I've never had a slip disc in my back playing baseball, lifting weights, all that kind of stuff. I've got some arthritis in my knees, so I know that sucks. But, man, I know friends who were at 35, 36 had slip disc in their back, and they're dealing with that from now on, you know? Yeah. And they're not wrestlers. They're just regular people, and they've had back surgeries and everything along those lines, and they're still dealing with that stuff in regular life. And so for a wrestler to have that, boy, I, I'm just – I hope he really takes the time to think, and I, I hope he doesn't have to retire, but I hope he does at least wrestle smarter. Yeah. I really do. Because I, I think, you know, he's what brought me into New Japan. I'm going to be honest with you. Seeing Okada matches, hearing about Okada, hearing about the, the matches he had, he's part of the reason why I got into, into New Japan Pro Wrestling. Bullet Club was a factor, but then when I watched Okada, I was like, whoa, this guy's special. He's different. And I really enjoyed watching him. And so I hope he sticks around because this, this match was evident of – even if he's not 100%, he still puts on pretty good work compared to some of these other people. So I, I just really hope he sticks around, to be honest with you. That's that's my main concern. We've got some more Okada to talk about a little bit later on. Uh, mm-hmm. Castle Attack Night 2, Tenkozy defeats the United Empire team of Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay in 10 minutes because, you know, we got to get the dance a, a couple of victories here and there too. Mm-hmm. But, man, I tell you what, Satoshi Kojima, 
That guy, he's got the Benjamin Button thing going on, man. He's going yeah. backwards. Kojima just keeps getting better and better, like, on a daily basis. Like, just giving Kojima reps, you can see how good Kojima still is. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. I mean, that's... Uh, I I think I feel like I know we use the, the dad term as a derogatory point, but I almost feel like it's it's getting to the point where I can almost take that title off of him because he was so damn good. He, he really out. was. Yeah, you know, and I mean, you know, physically he looks he looks good. He looks solid. He doesn't look broken down. Um, and I mean, he doesn't. He works like he's ten years younger. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean. Just does some, and I mean the stuff he does is so good, and he's so crisp and clean, and makes it work. And uh, man, I loved, I loved this match. It was a really good match. It really was awesome to watch them to get in there with Osprey and Cobb, and you know just really just cut it up. It was, and it was surprising, I guess, because you know really I didn't expect that. One, I didn't expect uh, Tenkozy to win. Honestly, I thought okay, the Empire's going to run course. over him. You know, they're the new faction. They're the hot t- ticket item. Now, if this would have been Cobb and Okan, I think it would have been a different story. You know, I think I think it would have been Cobb and Okan. I think they would have won. I think it would have been a different story altogether. But I know why that they didn't do that. But still, it was a good match. Surprisingly great start to the night. Really was. Yep, absolutely. Six-man action. Okada, Ishii, and Yano put Chase to sleep along with Jay and Evil via the money clip in eight minutes and 30 seconds. Absolutely nothing to talk about in that match other than it happened. G.O.D. defeat Yoshi Bon Jovi and Hiroki Goto in 15 minutes and 45 seconds to retain the IWGP Tag Team Championships. Again, that match happened. Nothing to talk about because both of those matches, we just talked about them the night before. Exactly. You know, and and that's the problem. Like between these two shows, you could have put together one really, really solid card. They -hmm. just drug it out over the course of two nights. And let's be honest, we did talk about the first match, you know. Right. We talked about the guys in the first match, but uh, we so they lost a guy, you know. I mean, but this was a better match in the long run. But you know, everybody faced everybody the night before in the, in the first three matches, and yep. you're going, okay, cool, moving on, you yep. know. And we can say the same thing about the fourth match. In yeah. all honesty. Yeah, absolutely. Never overweight championship. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeats the Great Okan 18 minutes and 44 seconds to retain with a rolling arm bar. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi somehow still proving that he is the one in 100. He is the ace of the universe. Two shot knees, a shot back, but he is now wrestling smarter than he ever has before. He just keeps reinventing himself. He's like, he, he... he reminds me of Chris Jericho in that respect yeah. where he just keeps reinventing himself. If I got to bring in a new style, okay, that's what I'll do. I'm Hiroshi fucking Tanahashi. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I think this is who Okada needs to look at, honestly, because we see, we know that he's had his health issues, but yet still looks like a million bucks, still wrestles like a million bucks, changes his style, makes it adaptive, um, finds a way to win and, and doing things that he didn't do before, you know? And so, and he's, but he's doing it in a way where you could tell he's protecting his body, but not in an overt way. You know, I think it's where it's a more subtle thing that you're seeing that, okay, I'm doing this in a way to protect my body, but I'm still making it look good. You know, compared to when I watched him and Okada go at it in uh, at the G1 in Dallas, mm-hmm. you know, that was a hell of a match. I mean, those two, I mean, 
you started the night with Osprey and Lance Archer, and then you ended the night, which was yeah out of nowhere an awesome match, and then you end the night with uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada going after it. I mean, and that was incredible. They were just jumping and flying and just banging all over the place. Now, a couple of years later, you're watching you know Tanahashi, and it's almost like a different wrestler, but with the same charisma. And yep. it's so good to watch. And because uh, let's be honest, he's he's another guy that kind of got me into watching New Japan after the Bullet Club initial thing. It's like, OK, who's this guy? Why does he call himself the ace? And then you watch and you go, oh, damn, I see why he's he's good, too. He's like, really good. They got these two guys who are just super great. Why? Why is nobody talking about them? You know, because I was not as in the loop on New Japan back then as I am now. And so it's like. Wow, these are some great guys. And so this made this match even greater. And he takes a guy like Great Khan, who's a relatively newer guy, and makes him look like a million bucks. I mean, but Okan does some great work too. I'm not gonna be honest. For a young guy, he has really caught on. He is really, you know, he he does the gimmick just enough. It's not overly cartoony, but it's not, you know, where you're like super serious either yep I, I really like that his fan interaction is great he's really figured it out for himself which is interesting compared to uh quato who you know has this <laughs> the master wado <sighs> thing and you know and everybody was looking forward to that to for quato to come back and he gets the master wado thing and yet here nobody was really talking about great Ocon coming back and it's like wow he's really done more than expected and he's really shown he understands what he's got and how to make it work. And so I've really enjoyed the matches that he's had and putting him with Tanahashi only makes him look that much better. And eventually Tanahashi is going to make this guy because yeah. eventually the great Okan is going to beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. And yeah. when he does, it's going to be a huge freaking deal. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's, I think the thing that we're looking forward to, but I think yep. it's got to come way later down the road. I can Absolutely. see this being, Tanahashi holding the never all the way to Wrestle Kingdom. Gredo Khan comes back and challenges at Wrestle Kingdom. That's where he puts him over, which is what Tanahashi has done before many a time. You know, well, and, and it's, it's like Osprey and Okada. Like eventually, yeah. Osprey is going to dethrone Kazuchika Okada as IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Of course, I'm looking like two years down the road at this point, but Okada right. is champion and eventually Osprey is going to beat him. He's going to beat him clean and it's going to be a huge deal when he actually beats Okada the way that he should beat Okada. Like wow. they, New Japan loves building these stories. They're building one now with Hiromu and Naito. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and that's, you know, I, I and that's what I love about New Japan is the long term, you know. The stuff that you're like, oh, crap, I remember that from, like, last year. Oh, cool, it's getting a payoff now. And you've really built it up and made it something special. So we're seeing some seeds of some stuff that could be really paid off in a year or two down the road that I think that are going to be really good. And that's the one thing I do appreciate about New Japan is that there's there's thought behind it. And they're okay with, hey, we'll, we'll hold off on it for a while. We don't need to pull that trigger six weeks from now. We can... We can do that a year from now and really let every get buddy kind of be built up and do their thing. So, and every you know, once in a while, it works out in your favor because you have an injury to somebody like a Hiromu Takahashi, mm -hmm. and you can fall back on a guy like El Desperado, who just had, you know, a banger of a match with Hiromu at the best of Super Juniors finals. He just goes out and he wins the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships. He's walking around with two belts, and now he's like, hey, you know what? Bushi El Fantasmo, you guys are going to wrestle well 
I just pinned El Phantasmo, so I won in that match too. And then he goes out and he wins the damn thing. The 89th yeah. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, El Desperado. This guy, I, I have always been a Despy fan, but man, since the restart, El Desperado has just been working on another freaking level. I am so happy for him to see him get this platform, even though it's a result of Hiromu being out of action. Yeah, no, and if if I'm if we're 100 percent honest here, Despy's been the one that's been carrying this this junior heavyweight air, you know, since the restart. You know, he he has been uh, other than Hiromu, he he has been the guy. He has really been the guy, and I really feel like you know this is New Japan saying, hey, thank you for being the guy for doing what we've asked for carrying this division. You know, here you go, you deserve it. You are you know you are worthy of this title, and you know I thought it was just. Perfect. You know, honestly, it was it was the person who I felt should have had it if Hiromu was not going to be able to defend it, is going to be out for a while, put it on Despy and let him run with it. And uh, I mean, especially after that match that him and Hiromu had, I mean, you can't tell me that is a match of the year candidate. I'm not going to argue. I, I, if you want to try to argue otherwise, it I'm might gonna, be my match of the decade. It could be. It was so good. The history behind it and everything that built up to it, the just the the, the drama and everything, and it was just beautiful. And so to have this go on and give him the belt, I'm just ecstatic for it. You know, um, you know, you got your ELP, you know, just bullshit, which is, you know, it's like he's almost a Jay White understudy, you know, a little bit. Um, and, and then of course Bushi's Bushi, uh, <laughs> poor Bushi, you know. But uh, but I was good with it because you know this is the person you want to have on it because God he just it, especially after the restart it just it feels like he's on another level like you said I know I'm kind of repeating myself here but you know who else would you have given it to I don't think there was anybody on Despy's level at all and he could carry this thing all the way to Wrestle Kingdom when Hiromu is able maybe hopefully to be back and then we can have that rematch for the title to make sense and just really just have a banger in Wrestle Kingdom. So let's talk about your main event of Castle Attack Night 2, 27 minutes and 50 seconds. Kota Ibushi defends the IWGP Intercontinental Championship against Tetsuya Naito. Um, and there's a lot of different angles to look at this match. Number one, mm -hmm. this match was very, very different than most of the Ibushi and Naito matches that we have seen previously. It wasn't nearly as dangerous. It was much more map-based, which was nice to see. But I know that's also a result of Naito really, really hurting with that knee. Uh, mm -hmm. We weren't even sure if he was actually going to make it to this match, which is an angle coming out. Then we also have the unification angle now with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the Intercontinental Championship being formed into one. And then we also have the El Desperado component, which mm -hmm. I, I, I should have saw this coming. And it wasn't until that moment that I became incredibly disappointed. El Desperado versus Kota Ibushi, New Japan Anniversary, Inside the Budokan. Yeah, that, that's a good match. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. You mean to tell me we were two weeks away from Hiromu Takahashi versus Kota Ibushi in the Budokan at New yeah. Japan Anniversary? And suddenly, like, the Hiromu injury just hurt so much more. Yeah. 
It really did, you know. But, you know, the thing I loved about this match was, like you said, it was different than everything before. We know why. But still, you could see the heart and the passion into it. You know, uh, like at the end when he hits that, uh, when Abushi hits that Komagaye, I forget how you ever say it. I'm shit with the Japanese. But, um, and, and he just almost, like, collapses onto Naito because they're just so spent from everything they've done. You could tell they've given their heart and, and everything into it. And yeah, it's, it, which is interesting, you know, because you, you, when you first see this, okay, it's for the intercontinental championship. Okay. Maybe they'll split it off finally and get it back to going to being what it needed to be. And how poetic and then, it's Naito of all people. Yeah. Of all people. Let's, let's, you know, put him on him and let it go from there. And then, no, Ibushi wins, and he announces we're going to do it. And I loved how they panned over to Tanahashi, who was he's at like you in know, tears. He's in tears. Like I can't believe they're actually doing this. And and, and, was, and more so, I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe Tanahashi was pulling for Naito to beat Ibushi. I know, right? You know, how, like think of how bizarre. fucked up that is, just inside That's of the so psychology. You so know, bizarre world, yeah. But it, I think it was because he wanted that intercontinental title away from yep. Ibushi, so it could be its own thing again, and it isn't. And the fact that I mean, and Tom has been can't. very outspoken on his podcast. Of course, yeah. it's all in Japanese, but he did not want those belts unified. No, no, and I mean, it, I don't. I mean, I I didn't either. You know, I don't I think anybody said, did. Nobody did, and I, I don't understand it. It makes zero sense to me because. Each belt had its own unique legacy. It had a whole purpose for it. There was a reason why those belts were there in New Japan. And that's what I like about New Japan is they, they have belts for a reason, not just because we need more belts. You know, the belts served a good purpose. And, you know, that was the whole point of it. So now you lose all your Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, heritage. You lose your Tanahashi heritage. You, you lose all the greats that held that belt, you know. For what? So you can say, oh, look, we're doing an IWGP World Heavy Heavyweight Champion. Why? You well, know, you, are, you already had a great belt. Here, here's my only thing, okay? And I, I will try to make some sense of this. And when this does not happen, everybody can come back and say, see, Jargo, you were wrong. And be like, yeah, I was talking on my ass. But you know what? It sounded good at the time. Okay? We have to get rid of the Intercontinental Championship because – we have to make the IWGP Heavyweight Championship into a world championship so that we can do world champion versus world champion when we do Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi for the real um. world championship. But now let's take it even a step further. We have, we have combined these titles. We have done away with these legacies. Like all of this rides on Ibushi's shoulders now, right? And yeah. everybody is disappointed. Nobody wanted this to happen except for Kota Ibushi because Kota Ibushi wants to become God. Right. So what happens when Kota Ibushi loses that match to Kenny Omega? Mm. And the entire legacy of New Japan Pro Wrestling is taken away by Kenny Omega. The devil himself has defeated God and taken everything that is New Japan Pro Wrestling away. I mean, if that's the story they're going to tell, then hey, that sounds incredibly awesome, you know. And I could, I could trust Goto and New Japan doing that, but then you have to remember that's also dealing with AEW, 
you know. Well, and, and, and I guess the bigger you know, question is like the story is great, okay? Because yeah, then yeah. at the end of it, you know, you have to have the conquering hero, and the conquering hero is not Kota Ibushi. The conquering hero is Kazuchika Okada, the right. rainmaker who goes and takes it back from Kenny Omega, right? Mm-hmm. The question is, where in the fuck does that leave Kota Ibushi? Right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right, because you don't have the Intercontinental Belt. You don't have anything in between. And you, you just, lost it all. Yeah. All of it. I, I will not fail you. I will not betray you. I will not walk away from you. And you did all of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it just destroys Kota Ibushi. Yeah, it really does. It, it, make, it leaves him, I, I don't want to say empty, but it really leaves him empty as a character. You know, does that uh, mean we get murder a bush all the time? Oh, well, <laughs> like, know, if, that's the, if that's the case, I don't mind it. Uh, I want to see some heads go off into the third row. Like, does, he, does Minoru Suzuki have to go and like pull Kota Ibushi out and like, <laughs> and like train him in his ways of Kaiju yeah. Mono or like what? Like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, Where I mean, does Ibushi go from there? I'm a huge Minoru Suzuki <laughs> fan, so I'm okay with that. You know, I would love to see that. I mean, because let's be honest, I love that picture of him slapping the shit out of Homa Dude. in the Japan Cup. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my god! I mean, like, it, it, I made the comment. I think it was on Facebook, where you know, if anybody tells me you know pro wrestling is fake, I'm just gonna be like, I'm gonna show them that picture. Like that yeah, is my right. response now. Oh, you totally automatic response. Because good <laughs> lord, look at this shit. Yeah, tell me it's yeah. fake. Get the fuck yeah, out of so, here. Yeah. So yeah. So if Ibushi wants to train with with Murder Grandpa. Oh my god. I mean, like, know? what what else did you do? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's but you know you have to wonder if that would be the case. Would they would they utterly destroy a property like Ibushi like that? That would because everything you laid out would completely destroy him. Well, I mean because and, the thing is like Ibushi is all about like the light, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were looking for the guiding light, the Northern Star, everything that was pure and good about professional wrestling, you would have Kota Ibushi. What if you take all of that away? And what if you just have like. 24 7 murder abouche like you know like what, yeah like all the darkness has come out of abushi yeah oh that would be that would be amazing honestly i think i would like to really <laughs> see that i would really 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 like to see that i think that would be pretty incredible that could be fun that could be fun yeah John, thank you so much for doing this. You know, yep. I, I started getting some flack over in the discussion group, and it was like, you know, yeah, what, what's up? Is this podcast dead? And I saw that you, you were the first person that put like on it. And so I was like, all right, well, you just signed up to be on the return episode, Mr. Enright. Right. Thank you so well, much yeah. for doing this, man. You know, at least we're not talking about the anniversary show. <laughs> there is that. There is that. We'll, we'll save that. I'll save that for Mighty Joe next week as we go through go. Uh, the New Japan Cup. Um just I, I guess real quick before we let you go, I want you to plug, promote, and put over all your good shit that you got going on over at Hameen Media, whether it be the Smack Attack or the Academy. Yeah. But uh, who who is your pick to win the New Japan Cup? You know, I've been really thinking about this. It's been hard, you know, because you know I I have my personal favorites. Like you know, I love I love Suzuki, so I would love to see him run it, and that would be cool just to have him go him and Ibushi go at it. I mean, that would be a hell of a match. You know, sign so, me the like, fuck up, man. I'm, yeah, I'm down. My heart, 
my heart isn't for that. And granted, now we've watched a couple of shows. I know it's not going to be Okada, you know, and, and some other choices. So, um, you know, I, honestly, I got to kind of lean towards Suzuki because I think it would be a hell of a match. It'd be something unique and different. And you, I don't, I don't think it hurts. It doesn't hurt Suzuki to lose it. It doesn't hurt Ibushi at all, and he's in a. You're you're gonna get a great match out of it, and it's gonna be one banger of a match. So hell, why not? You know, let Murder Grandpa make his way through and just start just continuing to slap the crap out of everybody, and you know, put respect on my name as I go through the brackets, and then it's him and Ibushi as they meet to for the title, and it doesn't hurt him to lose it, you know, yep. and and we go from there. So I don't know that I guess. My heart goes that route. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of in the same train of thought, uh, but a little bit differently because I'm trying to elevate somebody that I feel like is almost main event worthy that can get into the ring with Kota Ibushi and lose and still elevate himself just by winning New Japan Cup, kind of like Zack Sabre Jr. did a couple of years ago. And I'm going with the man who defeated Kazushka Okada. I want Shingo Takagi to win the New Japan Cup. Give me Shingo and Ibushi for the uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Shingo can lose that match and absolutely elevate his stock up the card while losing that match to Ibushi. Uh, You know, that'd be good, too. That would be very good, you know. Um, uh, You know, it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, how, how could you not pick that one? You know, I mean, how could you not pick, you know, honestly... I could see Osprey even going. You could make it a case for that. I just, you know? Do you feel it's time for Osprey though? I no, feel like but we're I at think, least a year away from Will winning New Japan Cup. I do, but I don't. I think because of the momentum he's got with the Empire and everything, it doesn't hurt to have that match and preview it and go, "Ooh, okay, this is something I really didn't know I needed and I wanted." So now that would be great to see them come back. And even if it doesn't, if it comes back to where he gets Okada instead, you now know, oh, okay he could be at that point too, you know? So I, it's one of those things, uh, you know, the rate Jeff Cobb is going, it's hard not to say you want to see him do it. Did but, Jeff you know, Cobb hit, hit Kojima with a tour of the islands the other day? I thought he was going to put Kojima through the mat. It yes. was freaking ridiculous. Yes. He has just been on another level, you know? So I don't know. You know I mean? That's, those are the things there are guys you can make cases for on all of these matches. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm kind of a Suzuki guy, so I'm going to just kind of – I'm going to say I'd love to see him go all the way, and I think that would be a really fun match. It doesn't hurt anybody. Nobody gets hurt for whoever loses, um, which we know probably would be Suzuki, but it doesn't hurt him at all. So let's see that. you know. And he's got Kenta the next round in round two. That'll so. be fun. That'll be fun. Let's 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 do that. Let's let's have some fun. And I could see him getting past Kenta, you know, and then, you know, just keep going from there. So, you know, I it's I think it's interesting. We didn't need all these guys. It didn't need to be as big as it has been, but it does give you some, you know, okay, that's not what I expected and I uh, this is a matchup I didn't really think I needed, but I do. So, in a way, I'm kind of looking forward to it and seeing how it plays out um in that aspect. So, you know, it's it's okay. It's it's not like I'm I'm super mad at it because you are getting some unique and different takes and some people who maybe get there that we weren't expecting. So, you know, yep, absolutely. Mr. Enright, go ahead, plug, promote, put over anything you want to talk about going forward. 
Well, uh, so uh, if you listen to the Hami Media Group, uh, yesterday dropped the latest Smack Attack with James Money MacGyver. As we do that every Saturday morning, I get up um, at my normal time about 6, and then make my way to the office about 7. And we talk the night before SmackDown to make sure to have it out for you fresh. So you don't have to watch it. We do that for you. Um, You're a good man, Mr. Enright. You're a good man. Yeah, it cuts into date night, which, hey. If I I have to give I'm giving up date night for you guys, okay? So, because I'm single, ready to mingle, and you know it is date night Friday nights. I'm giving that up for you, so you don't have to watch SmackDown. So, show us some love. Go fill our Max uh, our Smack Attack mail sack. Fill our sack up really big, so we can release it on everybody. We want to release our sack on all the people. Um, and then today, uh, a, little, a little bit later today, uh, Triple D and I, Demetrius Zoros and I are going to be talking Star Trek. We're going to be talking Star Trek Five, the awful, awful worst Star Trek movie ever created and made. Um, that was directed by William Shatner. I'm not saying William Shatner was a reason for that. Um, there were some other reasons as well. It was awful, but we're going to be talking about that and uh, giving our takes on that as well and as well as discussing some of the news and notes of star trek and uh how that this year in 2021 there's going to be five star trek shows either in development or on on um paramount plus as they're calling it now so uh yeah yeah they're just putting their whole stock into this it's pretty incredible what they're doing well Um, i mean they saw the success of the mandalorian and everything going on around star wars and they were like we got to get in on this kool-aid right well, and what they did is where they're, they spread it out amongst different genres. So one's going to be on Nickelodeon. The rest are going to be on Paramount Plus, uh, the, which CBS All Access turned into that. Um, and one of them is a really good cartoon show, Rick and Morty style, called Lower Decks. If you want to watch a great show that makes fun of Star Trek, but also incorporates some of the silliness from like TOS and, and TNG and some of the like Easter eggs that are in there, it is freaking hilarious. It is awesome. If I can recommend any of the shows that are on there, watch Lower Decks. It is a great show, a fun time. You don't have to know a ton of history, but there's some really fun, you know, stuff that you're gonna recognize. Oh, hey, that was from like when Kirk was in the '60s, and oh, there's that aspect of it that was very, very cool. It's a lot of fun. Check that one out. Um, that's a personal favorite of mine lately that I've been able to watch. So uh, you can find us all. On, you can just type in all those things on Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook and all that fun stuff and find us there. Um, but also, too, if you need any uh, – I've been doing this a lot, too. If you need any kind of help with mental health or anything along those lines, I'm putting my work email out there at john at uh, freedomhousepc.org. Um, if you need help, someone to talk to. Uh, or maybe you need to have, you know, you want to find connections with a counselor or something in your area. We can figure that out. I can help you find out ways to do counseling on the cheap. Uh, there's sometimes a lot of nonprofit organizations that have on-site counseling that work with your budget and do counseling at a very affordable rate. That's what I'm doing. I go to counseling every week, and I, I find a nonprofit here in my my town, and they work with my budget. I'm paying 25 bucks a session. You know, and so uh, and it's helped me a lot. So maybe that's what you need to do. Or if you need just someone to talk to and and kind of help you out of that funk or that mental health uh, checklist of things that maybe you need. How can I improve my mental health? I want to help you to do that. So if you want to talk New Japan or whatever, hit me up on Twitter or, or, or Facebook. But if you want to talk mental health, John at FreedomHousePC.org. Let's figure out how we can help you out because um, that is it's the other thing I'm passionate about and why I do what I do for a living uh, because I want people to be happy and healthy. And we know that this past year has been the utter, I think the bigger crisis has not been the COVID virus. It has been the mental health toll that has taken on everybody in our country and in our world. We're seeing that, that 
we are in a mental health crisis and people need help. And so I want to provide that for people. Um, so every platform I go on, I'm using that as an opportunity now to tell you, I'm here for you. I'm here to listen. I'm here to help. And so hit me up. I'm, I'm glad to do that for you. So, you know, and I say that too for anybody in the Hummy Media Group, you know, any anybody who's a producer, podcaster, whatever, you just need to talk, hit me up and I'm here for you for that. So, because um, I know life is hard sometimes and you just need someone to listen. And that's what I'm glad to do. So, absolutely. Well said, my friend. Well said. Good on you. Good on you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to actually be able to make good podcasts. It's even nicer to be able to make good podcasts with good people. So, Good on you. Good on you. Well, it's nice to know people like you too as well, Jargo, because, you know, it's fun um, that I can be the baby face on this podcast. So I don't have to be the heel. <laughs> hey, wait, did you just call me a heel? Maybe. So that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Destino and New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Pentos is one of those five-star reviews. Help us out in the algos. Destino is brought to you by our friends over at the HTM Podcast Network Online, Hami Media Group, the PW Hustle Network, and IndiePW.com, as well as the Rational Rage Network. Find the show online at DestinoPod.com and across all social media at DestinoPod. Very special thanks to Mr. John Enright for joining me this week. I'll be back in your ear holes next week with Mighty Joe Morin from Turnbuckle Talk to go through the rest of the first round of the New Japan Cup. Until then, find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, be it Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, or iHeartRadio. Enjoy the rest of the first round, ladies and gentlemen, and I will be back in your ear holes soon with an all-new episode of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. Adios.